Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God, our wisdom, our salvation. Amen. Well, in about a month, I'm about to enter a change of life. It's going to be interesting to think about not pastoring a church after 38 years. Change is interesting. Some change is not good. Other change is good. But as I think about my life, I've lived through a lot of change. You know, as an itinerant Methodist minister... In the time Carol and I have been married, we've moved a lot because I have a bishop who tells me where to go. But by the time I was, from the time I was about five years old to the time I was 18, what's that, 13 years? I moved 11 times. I never stayed in a school more than two years. I moved around a lot, and in fact, I probably about the only colleague that I know, the only Methodist pastor I know, who moved more in his childhood than in adulthood. Change. We say change is difficult. No, not actually. It's not the change that is difficult because there's lots of change that happens that we welcome all the time. We just don't think about it. Something changes, but we think it's a good change, and so we're good. What we struggle with is the change we don't like because change of that nature always involves loss. It's the loss of something. Something is different. Something is changing, and it's not the way I have known my life or the world, and I struggle. Tragically, yesterday, we heard the news from Buffalo about a young man who couldn't handle loss, change. We know this now. Looks like that. The shooting up of the grocery store in Buffalo was racially motivated because he writes, it's either on his social media, I can't remember where where it was, but he mourns the loss of the white majority in America. Loss. The demographics are changing and he was struggling with it. And he decided to take drastic action. Thank God, the vast majority of us don't respond to change in this way, right? But it was loss. What do we do 
What do we do when change happens that strikes at the very heart of what we believe, that strikes at the very heart of what we cherish, that strikes at the very heart of what we value? I'm not talking about loss around the edges. What happens when the church or the culture or the country or the world starts to change in a way that just is an upheaval of the world, at least as we have interpreted it? I, I see a meme on social media fairly frequently where someone will post and it says, I miss the America I grew up in. Now, I don't know what that means. I have to talk to that person. I'm sure when people post it, they probably mean different things. But what they're saying is, something isn't the way I've always liked it. Something isn't the way I've always wanted it. Things are different now, and I miss that. It's loss. So what do we do when the loss, well, let's just say it this way, gets really personal, when the change when things are different. In our reading from Acts today, Peter is confronted with change <laughs> that involves loss. By the way, along with that, let me say, we tend in the church to interpret God's will by things we like and want, right? Well, I believe that, I want that, I think that is right, so that must be God's will. We really don't talk too much about God willing something that I don't want. God willing something that I don't like. So we tend to interpret the will of God by based on our own preferences. If we're honest about that, we all can do that from time to time. And so Peter is recounting a dream. He goes up to the roof to pray at noon, very common practice for a Jew in the first century. And we're told he falls into a trance and uh, the sheet comes down with all kinds of animals, reptiles, shellfish, pork, all kinds of stuff that Peter grew up that were forbidden for a faithful Jew to eat, kosher as we call it. These are unclean animals. And the voice tells him to kill and eat. This, this is not just on the periphery. You and I may think of these things on the periphery today because we don't have these kinds of food laws. But for Peter, this is... One of the things that's at the heart of his faith, it's at the heart of his identity, it's the, at the heart of his understanding of what it means to be a faithful Jew. This is not periphery, this, uh, peripheral. This is, this, is, this, is, this is equivalent to having a dream where, where God says, we're done with the Lord's Supper. We're done with baptism. Things... And so Peter can't even fathom what it would be like to eat what has been forbidden all of his life as a good Jew. 
And Peter rightly, understandably, objects. But the voice tells him this, do not declare unclean what God has declared clean. Unclean, meaning profane, meaning outside of the temple, outside of the place where God is worshipped outside. This is where, it's the temple where we learn and see what God wants for our lives. This is profane. But this story isn't really about food as much. I was half tempted, I was half tempted to entitle my sermon today, Thank God for Bacon. But I thought, nah, it's not about bacon. It's about people. It's about people. Because what happens? Peter gets accused of fellowshipping with the Gentiles. He eats with them. He is willing to enter their homes. That God has now said to Peter through this vision and then through his subsequent reflection and thinking about it, that the Gentiles are now acceptable to God as Gentiles. Now, one of the things we have to remember here is that this is not, well, it's kind of like the new commandment that's also old. This is not completely brand new, the idea that God wants to accept the Gentiles. We have visions in the, the prophets have visions. The Old Testament prophets have visions about the Gentiles coming to Mount Zion and coming in. And and so it's, it's not that the Gentiles are completely off limits, but in order for them to be acceptable, they have to proselytize. They have to become Jews. That is, they have to be circumcised if they're males. They have to follow the food laws. They have to observe the Sabbath. They have to do all of those things, those those boundaries. They're not acceptable as Gentiles. And that's the newness of this. These people God has now offered the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in the same way that he's offered it to the people of Israel. Exact same way. They don't have to remain on the periphery of the people of God. They get to come in just like everybody else. In Peter's context... That's an upheaval. That's an upheaval of your world if you're a faithful Jew in the first century. And Peter is willing to follow the lead of the Spirit in doing that. And this will be an argument that the first century church is going to have. Paul will have it. Jesus has come, yes, for the Gentiles, but but how has he come for the Gentiles? And Peter and Paul, who won the day, thank God said they come into the covenant the way everybody else does, by believing in Jesus and following him. What happens when change comes to us that may be God's will but not ours? 
what do we do? How do we draw boundaries in the church? Because that's what this is about. This is about drawing boundaries. We've got to have boundaries. Boundaries, we all know boundaries matter. But the problem is, I've always said, the problem is, is when we take our boundaries and we make them walls. That's the problem. And where have we unconsciously, no, let me say it this way, made an addendum to the gospel? <laughs> where have we said to people or, or assumed, yes, Jesus welcomes you, but by the way, here's some fine print. Where have we unconsciously, sometimes consciously, yes, yes, but where have we unconsciously desired to keep the church the way we want it because we're less interested in those on the outside coming in and more concerned with our loss, more concerned with how things will change. I'm astounded when I think about this vision that we see in the New Testament and how the first Christians were faithfully willing to follow it even though they weren't quite sure at the time. I'm sure Peter wasn't sure. I'm sure Paul wasn't sure where it would lead. You know, sometimes um, we, we, want, we don't want to make a change until we know all of the implications and where it will end how often that just doesn't happen. Sometimes following the Spirit means following the Spirit on a road and we are not sure of the destination. But I've always said that, you know, it's okay to follow Jesus because wherever Jesus leads us, it's to the right destination, even though we don't know it. And not only does Jesus walk ahead of us, Jesus walks beside us to comfort us in the midst of the change and the loss that we experience. There's a lot of loss in the world today, a lot of loss. We have the most, globally, we have the most refugees since the end of the Second World War people whose worlds have been completely turned upside down, whose homes no longer exist, whose communities are in rubble, children who've lost parents, parents who have lost children, who just want a home, who actually at this point just would like to survive. Lots of loss. We are going through all kinds of loss in our culture, in the church, in the church. I mean. Holy cow, a lot of loss happening. But you know what? I believe that God is prepared for that. And I believe that God is raising up people even now, leaders in the church, to assist in not only coping with that loss, but embracing the kinds of changes that will bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that will say to all of the Gentiles of our world, that is, all of the people who have been less than welcome, I think God is raising up others to shepherd us, the church, through that change so that we can have a wider embrace of the gospel to all people. I believe that. Jesus has said, he said before he ascended, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus has not given up on the church. Ah, thank God. Maybe sometimes we feel like that. Churches, the church is not perfect. The church has lots of flaws. We know that. But Jesus has not given up. And neither should we. So perhaps what we see in this story of Peter in the sheet, as I said, it's not about bacon, it's about people. Maybe this helps to illustrate a little bit what Jesus said in John's gospel when he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Oh, and by the way, all people will know you are my disciples. You know how? By your love for one another. And by extension, our love for the world. Let us pray. Gracious God, we, we struggle with loss. We admit that. And throughout life, it really doesn't get any easier. Loss is difficult. But we also know that in the midst of change, in the midst of loss, you, by the power of the Spirit, can birth something new, can birth something wonderful. Help us to be like Peter, who is open to the leading of your Spirit in directions we've never considered, in paths that up to now we would not have traveled upon. Help us to be open to what the Spirit is saying, and may we follow, knowing that we don't have to know the destination. It is sufficient to know that you lead us and you walk beside us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh -huh.